Salutations. Welcome to Pod Mortem. I'm Travis Hunter, joined as always by my co-host, my sister and my brother-in-law. Hi, I'm Renee Hunter-Vasquez. Hi, I'm John Paul Vasquez. This week, we're broadcasting live from the Cabrini Green Housing Project, discussing the 1992 supernatural horror film, Candyman. The film was written and directed by Bernard Rose, based upon the short story The Forbidden by Clive Barker. Transplanting Barker's story to the inner city of Chicago, Rose crafted a unique horror film that explores the concept of urban legends while touching on themes of racism and the divide between social classes. Though often regarded as a slasher, the film rises above that label, as well as the source material, thanks in part to iconic imagery, impactful storytelling, a haunting score, and the incredible performance of Tony Todd in the titular role of Candyman. While the film received mostly positive reviews from critics at the time of its release, it has gone on to become highly regarded as a 90s horror staple and a favorite among horror fans. So, Candyman, what were your first impressions on the film? I remember watching this when we were kids, Mm -hmm. and it scaring the shit out of me. (laughs) (laughs) Me too, yeah. That's my first impression. Um, It's legitimately scary, I think, and like upsetting to a point that I didn't understand until I got older. Mm Mm-hmm. But I love this movie. I loved it as a kid, and I still love it. Uh, I also remember watching it when I was small, and it that did it scared the shit out of me. Yeah, and I thought it was like the scariest thing. I was like, oh, I don't, I don't want to watch Candyman. <laughs> but then you watch it again anyway. <laughs> you can't help yourself. Um, yeah. I I still enjoyed the movie. I thought it was really good watching it again. Um, there's some problems for me, but. You know, now that I understand. Yeah. But it's still a great movie overall. Yeah, honestly, it's like a whole different story once you watch it when you're older. Dude, no joke. As a kid, obviously scared the shit out of me, just like you. Yeah. But the older I get, the more I appreciate it. Yeah. For the story that it's telling and the themes that it's touching upon. Because there's no way. I didn't know anything about social divides and shit when I was a child. That didn't mean anything to me. No. But you can tell that... Especially with how much they changed from the forbidden. Yeah. Which was a lot. Yeah, there was no there was nothing about race in that short story, but they use this as the perfect vehicle to discuss a problem that is, you know, through time. Mm-hmm. And especially in the nineties, because weren't the Los Angeles riots going on in the yeah. early nineties yeah. as well? So it just seemed like they were able to take this movie and make it into something timely. Yeah. I did read that Rose went through great lengths when making this movie to make it a movie about racism that didn't fall into the stereotypes that were typical of, I guess, a white filmmaker making a movie about black people. He even sent the script to the NAACP to have them approve it. Oh, wow. And because he was like, well, is it racist if the basically not the villain, but the antagonist, so to say, is black? And they're like, why would it be? And he's like, I didn't think of it like that. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you're right. Yeah. Yeah. But they told him, they're like, well, you know, why couldn't a black man be the Freddy Krueger? Why couldn't he be Jason Voorhees? You know, to say that he couldn't be, that's racist. That's racist. (laughs) But he also had Casey Lemons, one of the actresses in the movie, and Tony Todd help flesh out these characters to make them more well-rounded to where they wouldn't be these stereotypes. Yeah. And Tony Todd said, I read in an interview with The Guardian, he had said that his hope was he was trying to root the character in the horrors of slavery. And to never get that out of his mind. And so that way he's crafting a character and not a caricature. Wow. And I love Tony Todd. No, he did. He he's amazing. He is this movie. Yeah. But I will say I am a sucker for a horror movie that put some social commentary. Yeah. 
That's one. Honestly, I feel like they did that very well here. I'm hoping that the... I was going to say reimagining, but I guess it's a sequel. Right. The new one that's coming out. I'm hoping that they dive into that a little bit more. All I know is that I'm excited. We've done a lot of episodes about movies that I love, but I don't think I've ever been more excited to talk about a movie than this one. (laughs) Which is fair. (laughs) Now, before we politely ask this film to be our victim, we'd like to issue a warning for spoilers. Podmortem is a very in-depth podcast, and in thoroughly discussing horror films, we have no choice but to spoil a thing or two. If you don't wish to be spoiled, please go watch the film, then come back and enjoy the show. If you've already seen the film or don't care about spoilers, let's sink our hooks in. So the film opens with an overhead shot of Chicago traffic, accompanied by very ominous and borderline gothic organ and choir. It's unnerving. It really is. And like beautiful, but unnerving. Mm-hmm. I love the music in this movie. Yes. I will point that out. It was done by Philip Glass, I believe. Right. And I did want to say something about him real quick. Okay. When they asked him to do the score for this movie, he obviously did it. But after he saw the movie when it came out, he said he was disappointed by it, by the film. And that he had expected it to be like an artistic retelling (laughs) of The Forbidden by Clive Barker. But instead, it was a low budget slasher. What? That's bullshit. (laughs) But he says that somehow it became successful and he's happy to cash checks from it every year. Low budget. I but, didn't think it was a low budget movie. Or low brow, I guess. I don't know, but he he thought the movie was really bad and that he was writing music for something that was going to be a lot better. But, but, the but music, he's happy to cash yeah, the checks. But he's but, happy to cash the checks. And the music has. goes with it perfectly. Yeah, yeah Honestly, I think it's fine. The music's like a character in itself. I totally agree. I just thought that was pretty shitty that he's like, I mean, I'm going to take your money, but <laughs> I think he should have left that part out. He yeah. should have <laughs> never told anybody that. But... I did read that, and this is from Mental Floss, apparently Rose used something called the Sky Cam, Mm -hmm. and that was one of the first times that this was ever used in a film. So he had said that you've probably seen shots like this before in movies, but this is the first time that it's ever been done this smoothly. It looked good. And it does. So good that they do it quite a bit in this well, movie. Yeah, <laughs> and they're they like, do. no, let's keep yeah. it. If, <laughs> if you have the means. Then fucking let's do it. But- we suddenly cut to a shot of an incredible amount of bees. Now they get right to the point with the bees. Yeah. So would these bees get paid for that? The, be- the right? bees themselves? Because they didn't, what, the cockroaches and well, creep show. <laughs> I don't think they ever cashed their checks. <laughs> uh, I, I was cockroach 586. Right. In the, uh, Money, please. They've earned it. They do a lot in this film. Yeah. But with this shot of bees, we hear the deepest, most terrifying voice of all time. It's Candyman himself, played by Tony Todd, and he says, They will say that I have shed innocent blood. What's blood for, if not shedding? (laughs) With my hook for a hand, I'll split you from your groin to your gullet. We then see the bees fly away, probably frightened by the voiceover like I was. (laughs) Like, oh shit, let's get out of here. (laughs) But... (laughs) We see the bees, swarms of them behind the Chicago skyline. It's a pretty neat shot, especially for 92. They did. It looks pretty good. Yeah. And there's, it's so much. Yeah. yeah. Oddly accompanied by the scream of a woman who we, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> was. It was the bees. <laughs> so Candyman then says, I came for you. And the shot of the skyline fades into the face of Helen Lyle, played by Virginia Madsen. 
which is great being introduced to her with that being said over her face. No, I agree. Like it's perfect. It sets up everything. Yeah. And it's great to start with the narration of Candyman because we don't see him for a long nope. time. Mm-hmm. In and this I wanted movie. to talk about that yeah. as well. <laughs> I thought that was very interesting. Yes. But Helen takes a drag off of her cigarette, and we hear the voice of a woman telling a scary story that she describes as totally true. Of course. (laughs) We actually see the story play out as she's telling it. In the story, Clara, a babysitter, invites her boyfriend, Billy, (laughs) inexplicably played by (laughs) Ted Raimi. I was like, why is Billy 40 years old? (laughs) Oddly, I looked it up. He was like 27. He was 27. I know. He was younger than me. Yikes. Yeah. Ted Raimi's just always looked like Ted Raimi. (laughs) He's always looked the same. (laughs) But she invites him over to fool around. And Clara asks Billy if he's ever heard of Candyman, which he says he hasn't. So she tells him that Candyman's right hand was sawn off, replaced with a hook. And if you say his name in the mirror five times, he'll appear behind you and kill you. So basically like Bloody Mary. Yeah. Just a little more interesting. Yeah. So for some reason, Billy asks zero questions and just launches into it right into the bathroom mirror. And they turn to the mirror. He says Candyman four times while squeezing her boobs the entire time. Yeah, I don't think that's what I'm (laughs) thinking about. Is that part of it? He's like, yeah, we're going to get killed. We're going to die tonight. Yeah. (laughs) That's what she likes. Yeah. (laughs) A little danger. Well, she said she she loved the danger. Well, she didn't say the dangers. (laughs) Bad boys, (laughs) I think is what the woman said. But he stops short of saying it the fifth time. In his defense, Clara says that nobody's ever gotten past four. And then she's like, hey, well... Go downstairs and uh, I'll come down with a little surprise for you. And he's like, well, shit. Sweet. <laughs> All right. It's my lucky night. I didn't get murdered and. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so he obediently sits on the couch in the living room drinking a beer. For some reason, upstairs, Clara looks into the mirror and says Candyman for the fifth time. When she shuts off the light, we see a flash of Candyman in the mirror and she screams. Scares me every time. <laughs> and also, so the same person doesn't have to say it all five times? I like guess if yeah. you have five yeah. friends and y'all each say it once, that's all it Because you know what I mean? Did she even say it or she didn't she say it? Said, he they, said it he said four, she said right. one. I know, yeah. but No, she only yeah, said it the once. Yeah. I think we all, we have to keep in mind that this is someone telling a story that all they right. heard. So yeah. and it is a little more dramatic if she didn't say it <laughs> five times. But, he was primed. He's like, anybody else says it one yeah. more time. I'm fucking ready. Don't call me if you don't want me to It's just rude. Yeah. Well, and it's funny to me because the Candyman that we see in the mirror looks like a promotional still of Tony Todd. <laughs> it doesn't even look like he was in the room That's for real. Funny. But after she screams, Billy looks up to the ceiling and we see blood pouring out of it. I don't know what those floors are made yeah. of. Or if it's just paper. a lot of blood. Yeah. <laughs> paper, paper floors. That's how they did it in 92. Interesting. Cost cutting. Yes. <laughs> Back in the present day, we realize that the woman telling the story is being interviewed by Helen as we see her tape recorder going. The woman says that Candyman not only killed Clara, but also murdered the baby yeah, she was babysitting. So it's like, the baby didn't call you. Not at all. He was like, I was just trying yeah. to nap. <laughs> <laughs> Billy somehow got away, but the event drove him insane and his hair turned white, she says. She then says that her roommate's boyfriend knew Billy, which is kind of always how these stories always. go. My cousin's best friend's doctor's Neighbor. aunt. Yeah. <laughs> like, Jesus. But... We then see Helen walking in the hallway, kind of chuckling to herself, and then she goes into a classroom where her friend, Bernadette, played by Casey Lemons, is also interviewing some guy on the subject of urban legends. The guy basically embodies everything wrong with 90s fashion. (laughs) 
let him live. <laughs> it's hilarious. His haircut, everything. Yeah. Uh, there's also this awkward moment when he does leave after the interview where he turns around and looks at Bernadette with like really hungry eyes <laughs> and they just laugh at him as they should. Well, what was he talking about? A roasted baby? Well, I think it's another urban legend. Well, but uh, it was, I don't know what the hell is It's going like on the there. one. Can we get a vignette of that one too? <laughs> <laughs> like we've done enough vignettes. It's the one with, uh, isn't it? Th- no, there was the drying the dog in the microwave. Was that was the, the other dog. One. I don't yeah. know anything about a roasted baby. I don't either. He made it up. He was just trying to get a date. He's <laughs> yeah. like, yeah, Clearly I know an urban legend. Her. He's just making it up as she's interviewing him. That's funny. But Casey Lemons was also in Silence of the Lambs, if mm-hmm. you recall. She was the best friend yeah, in Silence of the was. Lambs, too. She's gone on to have a pretty great career as a filmmaker in her own right, that's, though. That's awesome. I think she made Harriet, a film that came out what, last year. Yeah. As well as Eve's mm. Bayou in the 90s. So that's she's awesome. killing it. But we then see an overhead shot at the University of Illinois, Chicago, and we see Helen making her way inside. She stands at the back of a really large tiered classroom as we hear her husband, Professor Trevor Lyle, played by Xander Berkeley, discussing urban legends with his class. When I was a kid, I thought all college classes looked like this. No joke. So I was in for a mighty disappointment. <laughs> yeah, that, that's funny you say that because I did too. <laughs> yeah. When I went to university, I was so upset. It's like, I was like, yeah, so where are right. they? This is like, like high school. Like 30 people here. What the <laughs> fuck? Super lame. Well, very sad. Also, I would love to take this course oh, that he's absolutely. teaching. That would be awesome. I will change my entire degree plan. Yeah. <laughs> but the students are bickering over where they heard the story of alligators in sewers popping out of toilets and Helen looks interested and a little annoyed as she takes her seat in the class. I just have to say the thing about alligators coming out of toilets doesn't even make any logistical sense. Well, it happened to my neighbor though. (laughs) (laughs) My thing is that the the pipe is so small there's no way that an alligator can come through and bite your ass while you're shitting or whatever. I don't know what the urban legend is but... Trevor explains that none of this stuff is true. He says they're modern oral folklore and the modern reflection of the fears of urban society. So Helen looks even more annoyed at this point, and the bell rings, and Trevor dismisses the class saying, that's lunch, which is odd because this is a college class. Yeah. <laughs> I don't get that at all. Lunch is whatever the even, hell you want. I didn't even notice <laughs> See, that. See, I think that's why I was confused about that. You're like, is he a high yeah, school? Is this a like, dual credit course? What's yeah. happening? No, I didn't get that at all. But Helen makes her way down to the front of the class to talk to Trevor. However, she sees him getting a little too familiar with a student, and she kind of makes a face like, excuse me? Goes to cock block him. Well, goes, she uh, her husband. fucking so. <laughs> and okay. She was just trying to get extra credit. Was <laughs> <laughs> trying a little too it's hard. Like we bump it from an 89 uh, to yeah. uh, <laughs> The thing is, is A, women know. Uh-huh. 90% of the time, whether they want to admit it or not, and whether you're trying to hide it or not, this motherfucker isn't even trying to hide yeah, it. No, he's like, not. He this just... is disrespectfully blatant, and the girl looks at Helen like, who's this yeah. bitch? That was the thing that bothered me, is that not only is he really close to her while they're talking, but the second that Helen comes down and kisses him, her name's Stacy. Stacy's uh-huh. like kind of uh-huh. giving her fucking yeah. shitty you, eyes the entire time. Like, oh no! Wouldn't you already know that he's married. Exactly. Well, he's your yeah. teacher, or you know, and you're taking his class. Yeah, exactly. knowing, yeah. knowing and caring are two different things. And his wife is right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but Trevor introduces the nearby students to Helen, including Stacy. And eventually, after the introductions, he kind of dismisses the class again. You know. 
However, Stacy kind of gets her own special goodbye. Yeah. And she looks at Helen shitty on her way out. She does. But (laughs) Helen, doesn't she say another goodbye to her? She's like, like, I know. This is not hidden. This is not lost on me. And it's not because she immediately asks Trevor as soon as Stacy leaves. She's like, you know, what's that? And Trevor's like, well, I guess that's because she's in love with me. (laughs) Yeah, real funny. (laughs) And he says the one thing that Guilty people obviously say he's basically like, so you you don't think I'm like banging her? <laughs> like, it's the, oh my god, is that what it, you're oh, saying? That's crazy. Oh, Helen. Yes, we yes. <laughs> but Helen says no that she doesn't think that, even though she obviously does. But they brush it off. One thing Helen can't brush off, however, is apparently Trevor promised her that he wouldn't do this lecture on urban legends until next semester because he knew that Helen and Bernadette were working on it for their thesis and they would need to interview freshmen that he was teaching these urban legends to. So he's like tainting the pool. Exactly. So a couple things here. Hmm. Obviously, he lied. And would she even have known if she didn't happen to walk in while he was still lecturing? Oh, not at all. She doesn't have his syllabus. Right. (laughs) Secondly, is this, did he ever intend to or was this a conscious like sabotaging of her work? Either way, it's like super shitty. I think it was conscious because he kind of says, hey, I couldn't hold off. But he never apologizes. He's never like, look, I'm sorry. I know. But still. But no, he just like, whatever. But one thing that's interesting to me about this is that there is very small emphasis put on urban legends in the Clive Barker short story. But in this film, it is like the centerpiece. Which it should be for the story that they're telling. Yes, it makes way more sense. Because in the short story, Helen's thesis is on graffiti, Mm -hmm. A, and B, there's not a mention of a mirror. There's not a mention of saying Candyman's no. name five times. It's not even part of no, it. No, you're totally right. So, I mean, to me, it's like they, Clive Barker gave them a skeleton full of bees. <laughs> and they put they the, built exactly, they the, put the, coat. the, exactly. But in the next scene, Helen is transcribing her interview with the woman from earlier As someone who has done this a lot in journalism, this is the worst fucking part of any (laughs) story I've ever written. But Henrietta, a cleaning woman, comes in. She overhears Helen's tape and she asks her if she's working on something about Candyman. Apparently, she's heard of him and says that he lives in the Cabrini Green projects. Mm -hmm. She says her friend's cousin lives there and that Candyman actually murdered a woman there. Helen asks if she can talk to her friend, so Henrietta yells down the hall to her friend Kitty, who's mopping the floors. That made me laugh because I didn't know she was no. talking about her friend <laughs> in the hallway. She's like, oh, he's right there. But it sounded like it seemed like Helen knew. Yeah. <laughs> can I talk to her? I please? thought she was gonna have to write down a number yeah. and we'll get to a scene later, I guess, but no. Kitty comes in and then Helen introduces herself to them. Oddly, when Kitty walks in, she kind of looks Henrietta up and down, like, what the fuck are you getting mm-hmm. me into? And rightfully so. Yes. Kitty shares what she knows about Candyman. Apparently, there's a woman named Ruthie Jean in a bathtub at Cabrini Green. Ruthie heard a bunch of noise like someone trying to make a hole in the wall. So she called the police. They don't believe her. She calls the police again. They still think it's bullshit. But by the time they, they finally get there. They just don't want to go to Cabrini Green. Yeah. Exactly. Like, let's be I real. Mean, which, again, a little bit of social commentary uh-huh. here. They find her by the time they get there dead. Mm-hmm. Killed with a hook. Henrietta said that it's in the papers that Candyman killed her, and Kitty's like, I don't know about that, and gets really cagey. Like, she was open enough to share, but the second it started getting too specific, she's like, no, I don't know. Oh, you want receipts? Uh, I don't know anything. It's Candyman. He's going to come get her if she says anything. (laughs) 
Helen goes to the library and looks through the microfiche at old news stories until she finds something about the rise of unsolved murders. She finds a story on Ruthie Jean and then she smiles to herself. Mm-hmm. Gotta say, I do love the piano theme of this film. I know we talked about music yes, already, yes, but yes. this is the first time we hear this song and it's my favorite song in the whole it's movie. It's perfect. It's haunting, but kind of romantic. Yeah, I. it was relaxing. It was almost, I know we talked about it a little earlier before the show, but like you said, and that's the best way that I thought about it, like uh-huh. a waltz. Yes. Like it, I was like, yeah, this is, this is really it's beautiful. Yeah. I was like, this is good. And oddly it fits whatever moment they put it in. Right. But no, yeah. Real good. Yeah. I don't know how it's just, again, Philip Glass, I guess he was kind of a dick about it, but <laughs> yeah, he did really but he does good. Some good work. Yeah. I still can't believe he would say that because yeah. it fits perfect. <laughs> with the it really does. I just wanted to say really quickly before we moved on that it struck me as odd that she's been told two Candyman stories uh-huh. so far in the film and they don't match up whatsoever. <laughs> like if this really is if, if this is supposed to be attributed to some urban legend or whatever, that's not the urban legend that she was just told. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I'd already be like I just thought that was interesting because I feel like there are so many of these urban legends and like maybe the places change or certain aspects, but they're all the same fucking story. Yeah, you know? and the woman at the beginning said that that one took place in Indiana. Right, right. So, so it's not even in Chicago. Yeah, but God. Okay. <laughs> no, that's an interesting point. That is. But later in her swanky ass apartment, uh-huh. like it's nuts. Helen shows the newspaper to Bernadette, who is honestly kind of disgusted. She's like, this isn't the typical shit that, you know, this isn't an urban legend. This, this isn't is an what actual, we were doing. Yeah. yeah, a murder. Helen then brings out a newspaper article about the construction of the Cabrini Green project. According to both of them, the housing project has become a pretty dangerous place to live. <laughs> Putting it mildly. Yeah. She said, I think someone died there yesterday. And mm-hmm. then Helen's like, someone dies there every day. Yeah. <laughs> Bernadette says she won't even drive by it. And Helen brings out a newspaper article about her building, Lincoln Village, and shares that it was originally built as a housing project. Which is hard to believe. It really is. Because this apartment is ridiculous. Bernadette is surprised. Yeah. Helen explains that after it was built, they realized that there was no cutoff between that building and the wealthy part of Chicago, unlike how the L train cuts Cabrini Green Uh off from the elites. Right. So they spruced up the place and they sold it off as expensive condos, which, good Lord, is that fucked up to me. (laughs) No, it's disgusting. (laughs) They're basically like, look, I know we built this as housing for people with lower income, but without any kind of barrier to keep the pores away from the rich. We're going to go ahead and just uh, not allow them to move in and just sell it really expensive to rich people. Market way the fuck up. It's disgusting. She said they made minor alterations, which again, this is part of the social commentary of the film. And the fact that Helen's benefiting from that. Yeah. Because Bernadette's like, how much did you pay for it? And she's like, don't ask. I'm like, that's not fucking funny. No, not at all. (laughs) Like at all. Especially in light of what you just said. Exactly. I'm sure they do shit like that all the time. 100%. You know they do. Uh, Which really sucks, but it's like, God damn, dude, you guys are dicks. (laughs) Like evil. Yeah. And it's crazy because, again, this element was not at all a part of the short story. Oh, no, no, no. But Helen takes Bernadette into her bathroom to show her proof of the original intentions of Lincoln Village. She takes her bathroom mirror off the wall and explains that since there's no wall behind the mirror, the only thing that separates the two apartments is the medicine chest on the other side. And so she hypothesizes that Ruthie Jean's killers at Cabrini Green must have known this and just crawled through that hole to kill her. 
Thanks, I hate it. <laughs> First of all, <laughs> this is horrifying. Yes. Yeah. Um, but real murders were committed this way in Chicago. I heard about that. I read that one of the victims' names was Ruthie Holy May shit. McCoy. Oh. So I'm wondering if Bernard Rose knew, heard read that well, he, and kind of he did put read it about in there. yeah he read about the murders that's why he put it in the movie because I mean that he did not make that up and that is arguably one of the scarier things oh, in yeah. the film down to the names <sighs> I wouldn't feel comfortable hell no and she's just saying it like yeah. <laughs> Check this out. They yeah. can murder me. It's like, anyway, more wine, Bernadette. <laughs> I can't. Like, fuck you. But I think that the, the real interesting thing about this is that not only is it interesting, but it explains everything about the Candyman myth and brings it back down to earth. It's mm-hmm. like, yeah, he did kill her with a hook. He did come through the, the mirror. mirror. Yeah. You know, and so it's making it to where it's not a matter of legend. It's like, no, this is just shit that happened. Yeah. yeah. That people embellish. Exactly. Yeah. But she encourages Bernadette to look through the hole into the other apartment. And there's this really slow zoom into that other apartment. Oh. A lesser filmmaker would have put a jump scare in there. Yeah. yeah. And I'm a glad cat. that they yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just running by. <laughs> I'm glad they did not. But nothing happens. And they joke around a little bit and then they kind of just replace the mirror and close up the hole on the other side. Although the hole is still open on the other side in the yeah. other apartment. Yeah. They can't do anything it about in. that. Yeah, I don't know why. <laughs> Just like, come murder me in my sleep. What yeah. the fuck are what you doing? What are you doing? <laughs> but once it's back in place, Helen asks Bernadette if she believes in the legend of Candyman, which she says she does not, in order to prove to each other that they don't, because Helen says she doesn't either, which, why? I'd be like, cool, let's go have some yeah. wine. Yeah, <laughs> dude, we can just write all night, right? <laughs> Instead, they decide to say Candyman into the mirror. So they say it four times together, but then Bernadette stops short at the fifth. Helen leans in real close and for the last time says Candyman, all creepy like. Yeah. <laughs> she calls Bernadette a chicken for not following through, but I'm Bernadette. 100. No, 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 because I wouldn't have been oh, saying it true. the four I times. Yeah. <laughs> I'd be like, oh, close up that hole. Let's Didn't leave. They yeah. have to turn <laughs> the light off for it to work? They do have to. That's part of it. No, because Ted Raimi had the light on. Well, when Clara turned the light off is when Candyman struck. Oh, yeah. All right. So now we can never mm. let this light burn out. No, yeah. <laughs> or turn it off. <laughs> but we zoom out from the mirror as ominous music plays, and then we pan over to Helen, who's asleep later that night. She hears a noise. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> and calls out for Trevor, and then we get a loud musical sting as Trevor just fucking leaps. Yeah, because <laughs> he fucking like, Spider Man. Uh, I guess. Don't know. It's a it's a lame jump it's scare. It's a bit much. It's my least favorite kind of jump scare. But he like superhero flies onto the bed. And yeah. even worse is that Helen's really annoyed, and he's like, "What? Yeah. It's like, what do you think? You yeah, literally asleep on her. He's wasted or something. Yeah, yeah. fucker. But." <laughs> It's funny because it kind of proves that maybe she did believe in Candyman a little bit because she's like, oh, shit, he's here. (laughs) So in the next scene, we get an overhead shot, very reminiscent of the opening credits, and it's following Helen and Bernadette as they drive to Cabrini Green. Bernadette is stocked up on self-defense equipment, and she says that they shouldn't have come dressed like cops. Which, she's right? Oh, yeah. yeah. You don't want to be over That's there like the that. That's the last fucking thing I would want to look like. No, for sure. I think what's odd to me, I guess we'll get into it a little bit more later, but just Helen's demeanor during this whole I situation. I feel like she's very, um, I'm trying to even think of a word that would fit arrogant is one of them. Absolutely. Oblivious is another one. Like, I, I'm going to be fine. Like, it doesn't, like... <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> you're like, not this movie's listening. about me. Uh, <laughs> so, did you read the script? But she also says, Bernadette, that the gangs control the entire neighborhood. Mm-hmm. And it seems like fear starts to set in a little bit for Helen, but then she psychs both of them up by saying, well, would Trevor just turn around? And Bernadette's like, yeah. And she's like, well, we're not fucking yeah. doing that. And they're like, hell yeah, we're not. I feel like that was more for herself, though. Yeah. I feel like she's what, trying to prove him wrong. I f- and I feel like what Bernadette was saying was kind of, because she's like, okay, then we'll just turn back. Like, I feel yeah, like she... Because she, she pulled over. Yeah, I think she was kind of like, oh, fuck. Maybe this was a really, <laughs> really bad really scary. idea. Should we have called ahead? Or? <laughs> <laughs> May we please come? But she basically says, you know, look, we could turn around, write a boring thesis instead, but we're better than that. And Bernadette agrees, and so they keep going. The real important thing to me is what she says about... They have something real here with people attributing the horrors of their lives to a mythical figure. And it's honestly the linchpin of this entire film. Definitely. I feel like that alone is what elevates this above the source material. Well, I mean, that's real life, right? I mean, like we've as humans have always done that. Yeah. You know somebody that drowned in that lake. So you tell everybody there's a ghost in that lake. Don't go over there. Like (laughs) we've always done that. We've always done that. Something so interesting, though, that I wanted to mention is that according to that interview in The Guardian that I referenced earlier, Mm -hmm. Rose said that when he asks, I guess, the Illinois Film Commission or whatever, what's the worst, most poorly maintained apartment you have in the city? They're like Caprini Green. And when they filmed there, they had to keep security guards around them and stuff. And Rose said that he felt that it was racist as shit. Because he's like, these people here are literally just trying to live their They're lives. At home. And the thing about that is a lot of people when this movie came out said that Candyman, the film, was racist. And not only do I disagree with that, but he went through such great links to say, you know, really important things about race and the divide between social class. Not only that, but he also used this film to shine a light on one of the most important urban legends that we all believe in this is his words basically Mm -hmm. that that side of town is dangerous that part of the tracks you shouldn't go to that's an urban legend yeah that's in itself and a really harmful one yeah honestly and that honestly is why the police didn't show up to save ruthie g yeah because they believed that urban legend fuck you know Candyman. no He's got a hook. Hey, I don't bring what that the fuck am I gonna here. do? No, no, no. Supernatural. <laughs> but anyways, we get another overhead shot, complete with the choir and organ, as they arrive at Cabrini Green. Helen's a little pushy as soon as they park. Yeah. Because Bernadette looks a little nervous and she's like, You wanna wait here for me then? And she's yeah, like, Yeah, right. Yeah, like, I'm gonna wait on. in the car. I feel like it's a lot of um deflection. Like yeah, I maybe. feel like She's scared, and her way of dealing with that is lashing out at Bernadette for being yeah. scared. Really? Yeah, I felt the same way when they were in the car. You know, that's fair. The funny thing is that I saw this interview with Casey Lemons. It was on the Scream Factory Blu-ray of this, mm-hmm. and she said that she was the least worried about going to Cabrini Green, and she said other people, though, and she didn't go into it. <laughs> 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 but it made me laugh really hard because I'm like... Name names. Right. (laughs) Well, I read that they had made a deal with the gang there that the gang members could be extras if they would let them come in. Mm Mm-hmm. 
So some of the people, yeah, in these scenes are actual gang members from Cabrini Green at the time. They were like, yeah, let us... You know, hey, I mean, well, I'd be like, yes, work. sir. Yeah, you gotta make a deal. Yeah. Work, yeah. I was in Candyman. Uh, yeah, hell and, yeah, and you're safe yeah. as well. Yeah. So shit, it's a win-win. Honestly, yeah. I think, and honestly, they get out of the car after this. But I got to say, this is when I kind of realized that Helen's not great. Yeah, and I feel like it's one of those things that happens a lot in movies where the protagonist isn't great. But there's people that are worse than the protagonist, and so we don't focus on it very much at all. That's fair. <laughs> because Trevor is fucking horrible. Yeah, but I hate Trevor. Helen's literally like, "Hey, let's go collect these black stories so I can finish my paper and never help these people again." Uh huh. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's kind of bullshit. And then we never have to come here yeah, again. Exactly. <laughs> One time, get the fuck out. But there are five young men standing in front of a wall, and it's covered in graffiti. They're dressed in the same color of purple, so I think it's meant to assume they're affiliated with one of the gangs that Bernadette's afraid Mm -hmm. of. The girls walk past and are immediately catcalled. Yeah. Then they start kind of getting more hassled with the boys saying that they look like cops, and Bernadette's probably like, I fucking told you. I fucking told you. I knew it. Well, even when she brought it up, though, she was like, no, I just said conservatively, and Bernadette's like, "That we look like cops, and she was like, well. Like, just admit that's what you were going for. Like, that's what you were going for. And honestly... They use it to their benefit because Helen's like, well, if they think that we're cops, they're not going to follow us. Which I'm like, I I don't know. That's a dangerous game. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. I know. Real gamble. I don't know about where'd you read that? (laughs) But I read that they only filmed that Cabrini Green for it was either three days to a week, and that everything else was done on a soundstage. Oh wow, you can't even tell. Not at all. And I am interested to see where it's not. Yeah. Yeah. You know, but they take the stairs up to the next floor. And as they're climbing the stairs, Helen takes a photo of all the graffiti. Across multiple doors is spray painted sweets to the sweet, which appeared in the short story prominently. Mm -hmm. But it's also a reference to Hamlet. Mm -hmm. I think it's said by the queen when she throws funeral flowers into Ophelia's grave. But... Helen's like, oh, this is great, and takes a bunch of snapshots. But do you remember when you had to just like hope your picture didn't look like shit when yeah. you took it? That's all yeah. I was thinking. And like, I won't know for like two weeks. Yes. <laughs> I don't miss that. No. But just as she takes one more shot, a door bursts open with a barking dog held back by its owner, Anne Marie, played by Vanessa Williams. She looks super pissed, and Helen apologizes as Anne-Marie shuts the door. Bernadette's like, Jesus, Helen. Like, it's not trauma porn. You're taking these fucking photos, you know? Seriously. People live here, and you're like, oh, this is awesome. (laughs) (laughs) Fucker. That is so disrespectful. (laughs) It really is. But they continue down the hallway, and they go into the apartment where Ruthie Jean was killed against Bernadette's protest. She didn't even want to go inside. But... Once they're inside, Helen stays snapping shots, eventually going into the bathroom. She opens up the bathroom mirror where the killer crawled through and snaps a few shots. She very foolishly crawls through the hole to get a closer look at the other apartment. At this point, it's like, is this bravery or stupidity? It's or both? a mix. Because are you fucking kidding? If I was burning that, I'd be like, you know what you said about waiting in the car? I'll be in the car, but driving home. (laughs) And you can come or you can be climbing through mirrors. That's your business. I hate to say it, though. I'd kind of want to go through that Fuck that. Yeah, I'd kind of want... I mean, there would be... I'd be afraid. I'm not going to (laughs) lie. But still, still, that curiosity would just be like, "Mm, what's on the other side of that? 
It's like, I got to see. It's just too much. It's too much at once. I got to worry <laughs> about the gang members over here. Uh-huh. I got to worry about a ghost over here. <laughs> I got to worry about fucking Candyman coming out over here. Give me one thing to be scared of. This is just fucking, no, it's and, a Venn diagram it, of fucking uh, horror. And, and Bernadette's smart because she's like, uh, what if there's fucking drug dealers in there? Like fucking yeah, making right drugs now. right yes. now. But and she's listen. like, what are you going to give him your card? Oh, I'm uh, sorry. Uh, I'm like, oh, <laughs> you're dead. So, I mean, but then again, I mean, I, uh, curiosity gets my cat yeah. sometimes, so I understand. Not, I don't know, man. Not this time. No. Too many things. <laughs> but once she's inside on the other side in the apartment, she walks around and she starts taking pictures. She eventually snaps a picture through a giant hole in the wall. We see it from the other side that around the hole, someone has painted a giant mural of Candyman oh, man. with sharp teeth. It's it's horrifying. It, and That's really cool. It, oh, it it's is. so yeah. striking. Yeah, that looks cool. And Helen climbs through and is kind of taken aback of the mural. She looks down underneath it to see wrapped candies on the floor, but she picks one up to discover a razor blade inside. It's like an urban legend it's inside urban an urban legend. legend. Yeah. yeah. But Bernadette waits on the other side smoking a cigarette and <laughs> Helen launches herself through the wind. Through I was gonna say the window. It's a fucking hole yeah, in the apartment. But she's like, "Burn it that!" And she's like, "Oh shit!" Well, it's a yeah, bad. It's another jump scare I'm not yes. a big fan of. But scares the piss out of Bernadette, and she says that she's run out of film, so they'll need to come back. And Bernadette's like, "Fuck yeah, off, fucked up." And so she helps Helen back into the bathroom in Ruthie Jean's apartment, and they close the mirror. You can see in the mirror Anne Marie standing behind them with a Rottweiler. Anne Marie's like, "What are you guys doing in here?" And Bernadette's like, we're leaving. (laughs) (laughs) And Anne-Marie asks if they're here for the suite. And that struck me as odd because I'm like, the word suite takes on a different meaning in this film. But was sweet yeah. lingo in the 90s that I don't know? Well, I thought it was like drugs. Were y'all here for... Oh, that's true. But I mean, we, the context that we just saw it in, it's like, it's, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah, I don't know. But yeah, I was like, I was one when this movie came yeah. out. I don't fucking know. I don't know, know what that means. <laughs> yeah. but the sweet you said? Yeah, candy, correct? <laughs> but Helen explains that she and Bernadette are from the university, and Anne Marie is like, you don't belong here. Mm-hmm. Helen gives her a card, just like Bernadette said she yeah. would. <laughs> and she asked, knows her friend. Yeah, but she asks if they can talk to her. And just then, Anne Marie hears her baby crying from the other apartment and retreats. Mm-hmm. They follow her, and Anne Marie's like, You know, white people only come here to cause us problems. And Helen's like, Well, that's not what we're here for. And they follow her into the apartment. Yeah. Once inside, Anne Marie starts asking some cynical questions. But it's understandable. She assumes they're just going to write some shit about them painting all Cabrini Green residents with the same brush, you know, stereotypes. To be fair, that's kind of what Helen is doing. Exactly. But also, I thought it was interesting that when Anne Marie comes to them and she's got the Rottweiler, and then when they follow her into the apartment and she's talking to them, it is like two completely different people. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Her voice, her posture, the way she speaks, everything is completely different once she's in her element of her apartment. Mm-hmm. I, I thought that was no, really interesting. But she says that she just wants to raise her son, Anthony, because he's all she has. Anthony spits up on her and Helen helps Anne-Marie clean him up and she puts him back in the crib and she's like, you guys want to know about Ruthie Jean? And they're like, oh, hell yeah. (laughs) Please. (laughs) Yeah. According to Anne-Marie, the place has apparently been crawling with cops, journalists, caseworkers, and she says that on the night that Ruthie Jean was killed, she heard her screaming, called the police, and nobody came. She says that she's scared because he can come right through the walls and he'll never be caught. 
Helen asks who she's talking about, and she says Candyman. I'd almost be like, I don't know if I want to do this anymore. Yeah. No. Like, this isn't what you our thesis is even about. Yeah. And that's true, because now we're getting into just regular journalism. This yeah. isn't about I, an urban legend probably anymore. wandered a little too far into this. Like, so we tell the police about this. Yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> but oddly, we quickly cut to a fancy restaurant where Helen is having dinner with Trevor Bernadette and this aristocrat, fucking Oscar Wilde looking motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Pretentious. Philip Purcell is his name. Oh my God. But he asks about their progress on the thesis because I guess this is also his field of expertise. And then he cracks some joke that he's only so, he he's and so Trevor condescending. Laugh at. He's so condescending. He's just a dick. His, yeah. His neck is really <laughs> distracting. <laughs> It's just yeah. JP's like, I don't remember this scene uh, at all. Well, I was like, <laughs> I what is word. happening there? I didn't hear a word he said. It, like you said, he, he, he's a dick. Yes. But I was just like, what the fuck? I was like, what? Helen basically says, you know, plot twist, we're going to bury your ass. Yeah. Trevor's not pleased yeah. with this. And Bernadette tells Purcell, they're like, look, well, we'll have something you can look at in a few weeks. She's trying to smooth it over. Mm-hmm. She's like, as we've only gone to Caprini Green today. And Purcell's apparently very familiar with Caprini Green. And he even calls it Candyman Country. Mm-hmm. He very richly says that they should read the paper he wrote on Candyman 10 years ago. Oh. <laughs> this dude is yeah. like fucking hedonism. Yeah. Bot. Like, I can't. I just, hey. not even a real dude. Right. Such Don't a fucking... insult hedonism bot like that. It's a cartoon. He is. But he asks if she's heard the story of Candyman, to which she says she hasn't. And I got to say, this is real amateur work on Helen's part. Yeah. How the fuck are you going to do this as your thesis and not know anything yeah. about the backstory of Candyman? You didn't look Man? into it at all. She's like, uh... <laughs> I'm gonna bury your ass now. Candy, candy, uh, educate me, please. Yeah. Who's Tell this me, again? Please. Yeah, <laughs> ridiculous. But Purcell laughs his ass off at this. The fact that she doesn't know, and oddly, nobody at the other tables is like, "Who is this asshole?" Yeah, I'm trying to have dinner. <laughs> he's so annoying. But he's he basically says that he's like, "How the hell are you gonna bury me if you don't even know what the fuck you're talking about?" Which as much as. Like, this yeah. dude's a dick. Yeah. That is fair. He's right. And Trevor just sits there like a weasel the entire time. Because Trevor is a weasel. He is. But he could defend Helen a little bit. Instead, he's just like, yeah, get her ass. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't read it? Put her back in her place. Yeah. So Purcell gives Helen a history lesson on Candyman for free. He says the legend first appeared in 1890. Candyman was the son of a slave. His father apparently amassed wealth after inventing a device for the mass production of shoes after the Civil War. Candyman apparently lived a life of luxury and was a very talented artist who painted portraits for the wealthy elites. Mm -hmm. After some time, a rich landowner asked him to paint his daughter, but Candyman fell in love with his daughter and eventually she became pregnant. To get revenge, the landowner hired townsfolk to murder Candyman. They chased him through town, eventually catching him on the grounds of what would become Cabrini Green. They sawed off his arm with a rusty blade, and they would go to strip Candyman naked, smear his body with a honeycomb from a nearby apiary, until he was stung to death by bees. Yeah. They then burned his body, and then scattered his ashes all over the grounds of, again, what would become Mm -hmm. Cabrini Green. He kept referring to it as Cabrini Green, but this story takes place in 1890. Cabrini yeah. Green wasn't built till the 40s. Right. So I took it to mean it's, he means the later. The grounds, yeah. A couple of things here, though. 
While Purcell is telling this story, there's this slow zoom on Helen's face with a small slit of light around her eyes, and she's holding a cigarette, and it made me think of, like, noir films. Yeah. I loved it. Yeah. But the second thing, according to IMDb, Candyman's backstory was actually created by Tony Todd. I read that, too. In the short story, Candyman has no backstory. No. He's just some dude that shows up, he's disheveled, pops with a hook, smells like cotton candy. Yes. <laughs> literally. <laughs> That's <laughs> what they said. He yes, smells like cotton candy. He smells like cotton, cotton candy. candy. floss. And he wasn't black. He no. Had, he, had, he was a white dude with jaundice. Yes. Yeah, he was <laughs> yellow. <laughs> like, so, he's the dude from fucking uh, Sin, Sin City. Oh, <laughs> So, I mean, they changed oh, a terrible. lot, and for the better. And kudos 100%. to Tony Todd, because oh, yeah. this this backstory for Candyman grounds it in history. And, and it's so sad it and is. so, like, um, hauntingly possible. Yes. Right. I mean, especially for the time. Because, I mean, I know it, it's not in the conventional sense, but this is basically a lynching yeah. that mm-hmm. happens to him. And this is a story that if anybody told it to you outside of this film, you'd be like, yeah, I believe that Fuck, happened. Fuck, that's horrible. Yeah, but yeah, that's oh, yeah. definitely true. Yeah. Yeah. And holy shit, it's good. Yeah. So kudos, Tony Todd. We then see that Helen has returned to Cabrini Green to take the photograph that she didn't get to take earlier of that mural. Alone. Yes. Well, Bernadette was like, fuck off. Yeah. So I wouldn't ask her either. But she goes to knock on Anne-Marie's door and she's not in, but she meets a little kid called Jake, played by Dewan Guy. He's so cute. He's a good actor. He yeah. He's a good little actor. I read on IMDb they called him One Take Jake because he fucking nailed every single scene he was oh, in damn, the first time. There you go. I read that when it came out and he was at, I guess, the premiere or whatever, it started and that theme we keep talking about started playing mm-hmm. and he was like, if you'll excuse me, <laughs> he left because really? he got scared of the music. And only came back to watch his scenes and then left again. That is so funny. (laughs) He was a child. Yeah, I mean, he probably shouldn't have been watching it. Well, we also watched it, so whatever. Oddly, Helen asks Jake about Ruthie Jean, but he says he doesn't know anything. I thought it was odd for her to... He's a child. Uh-huh. Yeah. You know, I really do. We want to do that. You know, again, Helen's not great. No, it's no. it's pretty inappropriate, <laughs> It really honestly, is. You're talking about a brutal murder. Yeah, <laughs> you don't need to tell a kid no. that. No! But she's like, I'm not a cop, and he seems to know the rules of the streets. He's like, look, I can't say anything about Candyman or he'll get me. Yeah. Yeah. And he says he's not afraid of anything, but he says that she's crazy for coming here on yeah. her own. And he's right. Yeah, which she is. She tells him that he doesn't have to tell her anything and that he can just show her, you know, unless he's too scared. It's which, like it, that 100 yeah, that's that, it's up. manipulation. Like 100%. She totally uh, manipulated this child to further her own pretty much exploitation of it's the situation. Yeah. One thing that was very interesting to me that I did notice about this scene, there is a shadow cast only on Helen's face. When the sunlight comes through this, like those slits, uh-huh. it looks like a fucking honeycomb. And I Ooh. don't know if that's a subtle way of the filmmakers being like, hey, don't forget, she said the name yeah, yeah. in the mirror. Uh-huh. Or if it's foreshadowing for later or what. But as soon as I saw that, I was like, notes and just started writing. Oh, shit. But I thought that was really interesting. It's like, she's a marked woman. Right. But Jake is a child and he's yeah. like, bet. I'm not fucking afraid. Yeah. And so he walks her through Cabrini Green over to a public restroom. On the way, they pass a giant pile of wood and furniture, which Jake says is going to be used for a bonfire. Once they get to the restroom, Jake says that his friend Charlie told him that Candyman is in there. A boy was actually killed in that bathroom, he says. 
And Jake uses harsher language to say that the kid was mentally challenged. Yeah. And I guess a while ago, the kid was with his mother at the store across the street and the kid needed to use the restroom. So his mother sent him across the street on his own. After a while, she hears him screaming all the way across the street in the grocery store. So it must have been fucking unbelievable. But they send some tough guy to go check it out. He goes in there and within a second, he comes out of the bathroom shaking and crying. And Jake says that his hair turned white. Which is actually the second time that we've heard that we've heard about white hair in connection to Candyman. Yeah. Helen asks what happened, and Jake said the kid wasn't killed. It was worse. The tough guy found him on the bathroom floor in a pool of his own blood. Candyman had apparently cut off his genitals and threw them into a toilet. And Jake goes, Can't fix that. Better off dead. (laughs) (laughs) I mean He's not wrong. That was said by an older woman in the short story. The fact they made a kid say that is pretty (laughs) fucked up. But when I was a kid seeing that kid on the ground in the pool of blood screaming, it scared the hell out of me. And it's one of those images that stays with you after the movie's over. It like burned into my mind and my blood ran cold. Yes. I never forgot it. And every time I watch the movie, it's like, hey, it's exactly how I remember it. (laughs) (laughs) I was talking about this movie at work probably a month or two ago mm-hmm. and a guy that we work with said that this movie gave him a phobia of bathrooms that he's uh, still uncomfortable of public bathrooms maybe that's where my phobia came from <laughs> because of this scene no joke and i'm like that's legit like i i get it that yeah. it's so scary no like, jokes still. no laughter uh, nope uh, i'm yeah. just solemnly yes. nodding mm-hmm. i get it i'm with you sir yes But Helen tells Jake to stay outside and she starts taking pictures, eventually heading inside the men's restroom. She immediately puts her hand over her mouth and coughs and gags because the walls are covered in graffiti, but it literally looks like shit is smeared all over the place, including on the wall, reading, again, sweets to the sweet. Yeah, it's shit. I think it's poop. Yeah. Yeah. It's shit. (laughs) Like, it's not maybe shit. Sidebar, I think whenever I see this in movies when people write on the walls in blood or shit or whatever, it's a powerful and effective visual, but at the same time, thinking of the logistics of somebody actually doing this, it doesn't make a lot of sense. Uh, That's a lot of shit, too. Yeah. Yeah. He really had to go. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Just keeping it. Never mind. (laughs) Too far. Like for later. (laughs) Anyways, can I borrow some shit? No. (laughs) You going to finish that? (laughs) That's gross. Oh, it's very gross. But she opens one of the stalls to reveal a broken toilet. She opens the next stall to reveal the same. She takes a picture of the wall, and in the flash of the camera, we see that Candyman mural again. She finally kicks open the last stall to reveal a closed toilet with an arrow of shit on the wall pointing down. She kicks open the toilet to reveal it's filled with bees. There's also a pile of shit on the floor, which honestly makes sense because I'm not putting my ass near all those bees. Yeah, no. (laughs) I get it. (laughs) I'll I'll poop over there. Exactly. We'll just keep it closed. Don't want to do it. Seeing the bees, though, after hearing that story, I'd be like, oh, there's... I would be convinced that there's there was a supernatural right. situation yeah. happening. It's Bees not don't just live some in dude. toilets. No. Yeah. That doesn't naturally happen. And just threw a honeycomb in there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but outside, we see a man in a leather coat appear behind Jake. We don't see his face, but Jake turns around to him and says, Candyman. Mm. Back inside the bathroom, Helen is still taking photographs. The camera pans to the door, and we see the man with a leather coat walk in. He honestly looks like Candyman if you ordered him on Wish. Yeah. (laughs) But Helen's like, oh, sorry, I'll get out of your hair. But the man brandishes a hook, and then he's flanked by a few other gang members that we saw from earlier. I'd be like, oh, I'm I'm dead. Cool. 
Should have brought Bernadette. Yeah. What's she going to do? <laughs> yeah, no. Well, she might have kept her out of the bathroom. Don't go in no. there. All right. Fair. But the man in the leather coat approaches her and says, I hear you're looking for Candyman, bitch. <laughs> well, you found him and fucking clocks her upside the head with his hook. You can see a faint spray of blood when she gets right. hit. Yeah. It's pretty neat looking. Yeah. Right. I thought it was pretty cool. I mean, it's not cool that he did that, no. but no. <laughs> the shot's great. Awesome, man. Yeah. Jake watches as the men leave the restroom laughing, and he runs in to find Helen on the ground laying in a pool of blood. In the next scene, which always makes me laugh out loud, there is a police lineup with a few guys being asked to repeat the line, we hear you're looking for Candyman, bitch. If so, Helen can identify him, but it's obviously super serious. I get that. Yes. But the line delivery of number four in the line, it murders me. And it was further murdered. There's this hilarious tweet that I saw from at Anthony Jerome M on Twitter. And he joked that this is what he says when he returns phone calls. (laughs) 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 And (laughs) further ruined this scene in the best possible way. The dude is always so funny. He's so hilarious. But... (laughs) Number number five in the line is the counterfeit Candyman. Clear, it's clearly it's, right. Yeah. And Helen, with an aggressively swollen black eye, oh yeah, identifies him as the assailant to Detective Frank Valento. Valento says that the fake Candyman is also responsible for what happened to the boy in the restroom, as well as the murder of Ruthie Jean. Looks like everything's wrapped up in a, a neat, neat little yeah. package. Not being sarcastic. No. <laughs> But Valento says Cabrini Green is locked down now and that they knew everything about this sugar-free candy man, but <laughs> they never hauled him in because they couldn't find anyone to testify, which he and his gang took advantage of. Right. Somehow, Jake is waiting outside for Helen. I don't know how. I don't know. He's there. Yeah, I didn't understand that either. That was a little strange. But she thanks him for saving her life, but he's pissed because she lied about this being their secret. She assures him that he won't have to go to court or anything, but he says that Candyman will still get him. He just looks so betrayed. He does. He's like, what the fuck, dude? Yeah. I thought he looked more disappointed that Candyman wasn't real. That He, he was does. Like, I thought he'd be happy to <laughs> yeah, hear that. He's like, he's not real. <laughs> Damn it. Helen tells him, she's like, look, Candyman's not real. And this nailed it version of Candyman simply took the name to scare <laughs> <Yeah>. people. <laughs> and now that he's arrested, everything's going to be fine. And yeah, he's like super disappointed. Well, I, Shouldn't I he took be it, really happy? Yeah, I feel like, like oh, he looks at her like, bitch, like you well, know. like he doesn't believe her? Yeah. <laughs> In the next scene, we see Trevor coming home, greeted by Helen, whose eye is healing nicely. And but why did they make her eye brown? Like her eye, eye, her iris. In oh, the I didn't eyes. notice that. But yeah. Yeah, I didn't either. She's got the black eye and her eyes are green. Yeah, they're green. But the that whole eye movie. is brown for this mm. scene. <laughs> I, don't, I, I don't get that at all. Neither do I. It's an interesting choice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but they sit down to dinner and Helen seems really happy to have him home. Yeah. yeah. He doesn't, though. No. <laughs> the next day at the university, Helen sees Bernadette for the first time in a while and vents her frustrations about how the system didn't do anything about Cabrini Green until a white woman got attacked there. And instead of Bernadette saying, yeah, and water is also wet, uh-huh. <laughs> she's like, uh, all that matters is the guy's in jail and he's going to be there for a long time. In the elevator, 
Bernadette surprises Helen by telling her that a friend in the photography department was able to save her pictures from her camera. And Bernadette also says that she's been talking to publishers who are interested in their stories. So everything's coming up Millhouse. Yes. And Helen is like over the moon. And this was the first time when I was watching it and I was like, you really just exploited these people to catapult yourself. Exactly. It was this moment that I was like, oh, because she's like, oh, hell yeah. Like she's super happy. (laughs) She's so happy. She's like, we're going to be published. Yes. I was like, oh, that's not. And also, I mean, that's not cool. On the same point, Bernadette's not really giving a shit either. No. They're just all about. We're going to be published. Photos are saved. We're getting published. Oh, yeah. What's Cabrini Green? Yes. <laughs> never mind. Who lives? I don't, yeah. I don't give Anne a shit. Anne-Marie? I never met an Anne-Marie. <laughs> but Helen is walking through the parking garage, admiring her photographs. But we see a shot of a person's legs, dress shoes, old-fashioned pants, and a really long coat. The legs walk toward the camera, joined by the low rumble of music. <sighs> Helen gets to her car, smiling, and we hear again the deepest voice of all time say her name. Sing her name, kind of. Yeah. Helen. It wasn't Helen. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. Hey, Helen. Hey, Helen. But she turns around and she sees Candyman standing at the end of the parking garage, his head tilted back like the mural. Yeah. And it's like, I think, 44 minutes into the film at this point. It's unbelievable. It's the first time we properly see Mm -hmm. him, even though you feel him like he hangs over the whole movie. But it's like fucking almost halfway through the movie. If not, I don't even know before you even see him. Like it's the way that they told the story was so effective that Mm -hmm. his reveal is like. (gasps) And it's. I read, I think it was in that Guardian article that Tony Todd said that when they filmed that scene, because they filmed it all day from what I read, he knew they were doing something important. I mean... And it's, and for my money, one of the most iconic moments in horror. I love this fair. parking garage scene so yeah. much. But Helen tries to walk away, but she gets flashes of the mural and takes her glasses off and she asks if she knows him. He says that she doesn't, but she doubted him. And he's not moving his mouth. No, not at any point during this thing. <laughs> no. Right. Ex- until he gets closer to her. It's all like he's speaking through his mind. Helen speaks to him as if she's in a trance, but Candyman tells her that since she wasn't content with the stories, he was obliged to come. A tear rolls down Helen's cheek as he reveals his bloody hooked hand and asks her to be his victim. And she looks mesmerized yes i read that virginia madsen for a few scenes was actually hypnotized like they hypnotized the actress for these scenes Ugh. and she sense. looks hypnotized right, right and so she was like i don't want to do this anymore which i don't know oh, yeah. like, yeah. you got control i don't want anyone to have <laughs> yeah. that kind of control but she literally she looks like she's being hypnotized by him i saw in an interview bernard rose said that he thought about this scene a lot as far as the protagonist finally coming into contact with the killer and they were like what do we want it to be and he said screaming is annoying he actually called it a fucking horrible noise (laughs) and so it makes sense that he went this route of her being hypnotized and it honestly sells the moment way better than if she was screaming the whole time it would just be annoying like he said but she stares at him in disbelief and he basically tells her that he is legend and without the whispers in the classrooms or the writings on the wall, he's nothing. And now he must shed innocent blood, I guess, to reinvigorate the fear that people had in him. Mm-hmm. And this is, a, to me, a fascinating concept of the tulpa. Right. 
which doesn't exist unless you believe it. Mm -hmm. But in my mind, it's like a chicken egg type thing because it does (laughs) exist, but you need to believe it to exist. But you do believe it because it does exist, but it doesn't (laughs) exist if you don't believe it. It's like fascinating to me. And once I got older, I was like, oh, shit, like Candyman's a tulpa. Yeah. And honestly, probably our first example of that that we ever saw in our lives. Oh, for sure. And for my money, still the coolest one. The best. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's a hell of a pickup line, though, huh? It's not bad. Uh, yeah. I mean, it, all right. Okay. Yeah, sure. yeah, yeah. <laughs> we see a shot of the bees, the same that we saw at the beginning of the film, and we zoom out from a shot of Helen's face to reveal that she's asleep on the bathroom floor in Anne Marie's apartment. We hear Anne Marie screaming in the living room, which wakes Helen up. She's Helen's covered like, up. What an annoying sound. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> fucking horrible. Uh, what is that? <laughs> yeah. Uh, she has her coat on top of her, but she takes it off and we see that she's covered in blood. <sighs> she opens the door of the bathroom that she's in to find the severed head of Anne Marie's Rottweiler. <sighs> Poor chop, man. They didn't have to <laughs> do him chop, like no. that. <laughs> Next to the dog, though, is a meat cleaver. And she picks up the cleaver for protection as she right. kind of goes through the house. But she opens the door to her right. And inside the room, Anne Marie is wailing <sighs> over Anthony's crib which is also covered in blood, but Anthony is not there. Yeah. When Anne-Marie sees Helen, she advances on her and they start to struggle into the living room. In the struggle, Helen slices Anne-Marie's arm with the cleaver, then gets on top of her, (laughs) brandishing it in the worst posture you can possibly have. I'm about to kill you posture. (laughs) Yes, and of course, at this point, the police burst in. Oh, now the cops want to show yeah, up. Yeah, suddenly. Yeah. But they arrest Helen, and it's like eight cops there. There's helicopters outside the building <laughs> as she's being arrested. It's like, what the fuck yeah, what happened? What happened? Like, who did every resident call the police? <laughs> in the next scene, Helen is getting the spread your cheeks and lift your sack treatment. Ooh, that cop is no nonsense. Not at all, because Helen not- is crying yeah. and she's like i don't give a shit lift <laughs> your breast yeah it's like, all right. and she's like she does not give a fuck but you realize as she's getting undressed just how covered in blood she is yeah but she asked to speak to detective valento which she gets to do after she's cleaned up and he speaks very coldly to he's her he's a completely different person yes he yeah, is weren't they just cool men yeah girl? they were yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and she calls him frank which is like mm. He's Not like, anymore. Dial, dial yeah. back. Detective Valenti. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> but he tells her in clinical detail all the events of what just transpired at Amory's apartment. Another officer asks where Anthony is, and she's like, I don't know. And he goes, you're sick. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, yeah. she's not getting any kind of innocent no. to proven guilty. Nope. It's. But my question is, because didn't they say that Amory went to work, and when she came home, Anthony was gone? Right. So was Anthony home alone? Maybe a babysitter? The Where's dog the babysitter? was babysitting. The yeah, dog was... <laughs> you can train dogs. Uh, to... I don't know. It's a helper dog. <laughs> but Valinto asks if she would like legal counsel. Banging his hands on the table, he's like, yes or no? Yeah. <laughs> he's not having it. No. And she's like, I'd like a phone call, please. <laughs> <laughs> and we see a shot of her in Trevor's apartment. All the lights are out. And we pan across younger pictures of her and Trevor, which... At this point, I finally wondered. I was like, oh, maybe she was also a former student of Uh Trevor's. That's where it hit me. This is just kind of his thing. He's (laughs) disgusting. And he's not there. It's 3 a.m. Yes, that's the other thing. It's 3 a.m. and he's not there. Yeah. 
but the phone keeps ringing, goes to the answering machine. Helen explains she's been arrested and needs to be picked up at the precinct. Next, we see Helen kneel over the toilet in her cell as the toilet itself automatically flushes. The hole in the toilet brings to mind the mouth Mm -hmm. of the Candyman mural, and we get shots of that empty apartment with baby Anthony in it and one hell of a light show (laughs) going on, (laughs) along with the sounds of thunder. I wonder why take the baby... Is it because the woman he was in love with had been had gotten pregnant? I think that's part of it. The other thing, which we'll kind of get into, is a matter of it needing to be a story Innocence? that people want to tell. I and mean, I'd listen to a story about a Rottweiler that got taken. Yeah. <laughs> taken. <laughs> the baby was taken. Uh, oh, you mean if he just kept yeah. the dog? Yeah, <laughs> the dog instead. But the story is the dog ran away yeah. then. Oh, shit. Yeah, a baby's not going to run away. <laughs> a baby but Candyman holds his hook over Anthony and we get a shot of Anne-Marie screaming over his empty crib I guess it's like a nightmare that Helen's having maybe of like all the events rolled into one thing yeah we then see Helen sitting in her cell just as an officer opens up the door and Trevor rushes in embracing her they leave the precinct accompanied by a lawyer but are hounded by the media so they cover her head with a coat mm-hmm We then see they're watching the coverage of her exit later that day from the comfort of their apartment with an incredibly wooden newswoman saying that they believe Anthony was abducted, but still alive. Which, what evidence do you have of that? Yeah, I I don't think there is any. speculation, I think. The lawyer makes sense of it in a second, but (laughs) the fucked up thing to me was Trevor's like, well, they didn't say your name. That's good. It's like, they didn't say your name. <laughs> yeah. That's what you were worried about. What are about. we really worried yeah. about here? Lyle? Yeah. They're like, isn't she married to Trevor Lyle? <laughs> <laughs> but to your point, the lawyer says that the police haven't charged her yet because they think that they'll find Anthony's body so they can charge her with murder one. And Trevor's like, he says he doesn't believe that she did it. But the lawyer is like, can you come up with fucking anything at all yeah. that could help our case? And she's like, I blacked out. <laughs> I don't remember anything, basically, except for what we saw. Yeah. (laughs) After this, Helen decides to retire to a milky bath, (laughs) as they do in movies for some reason, which, okay, they use the milky bath to hide nudity, but they don't hide any nudity here. No. I was very confused. Yeah, I I didn't remember this from when I I was a kid. (laughs) I I didn't at all. (laughs) And then I thought the same thing. I was like, why would you have... The bath water, the bath water that way, but you still see what's going on. Best of both worlds, I guess. (laughs) But Trevor is like, I have to go to the university to pick up some paperwork. Not shifty at all. No, not at all. She has like, you know, where the hell were you last night? Though I don't care about the papers right now. I called you at three in the fucking morning, and he's like, Oh, I was here. Asleep. Yeah. Stop. Like, I saw the bed. Sure, Jan. Yeah. yeah right. And the most egregious crime in the whole film is the vest that Trevor is wearing in this <laughs> <Yeah>. scene. <laughs> well, the 90s were wild. But yeah, I was like, dude. Like, even then, even for the time. Even then. <laughs> <laughs> he tries to be reassuring before he leaves, and he tells her they're going to get through this. And then he takes off. Goes to get his papers. Quote, unquote. Yeah. Helen gets out of the bath and she grabs herself a beer, which well earned. Yeah, you deserve (laughs) it. Should have gotten something harder, but she takes out the photographs to look at them again. And then she sets up a carousel like slide projector, closes the shades and goes through them all. She stops on a shot of herself in the mirror 
which would have been a great MySpace default, <laughs> if I'm honest. But she raises the exposure of the photo, and in a dun-dun-dun moment, we see the silhouette of Candyman standing behind her in the mirror. <sighs> she adjusts the focus, and we hear Candyman breathe. And she's had enough. She's like, all right, I'm going <laughs> to yeah. go ahead and open these yeah. shades, turn that shit off. No more, thanks. But she nervously makes her way to the bathroom mirror, and it's one of those awesome shots where you realize it's the mirror at the end of the shot. I'm a sucker for these. I love them so much. It's such a subtle thing, but it's my favorite. But she opens the medicine cabinet to reveal nothing. And so she looks behind her, and we get this long shot of her apartment. She closes her eyes, kind of relieved. But when she turns back to the cabinet, Candyman's hooked hand fucking explodes out of it. Scared the shit out of me. I read on IMDb that Virginia Madsen didn't know this was coming. And so Uh, the fear was real. (laughs) And yes, it scares the shit out of you. Because you're like, that's the menace. It's not Uh, the mirror. Yeah. It smashes through her Tylenol. (laughs) Just rude. Yeah. She runs out of the apartment and we can hear her heartbeat. We then see Candyman at the end of the hall who says, believe in me. And he asks her once again to be his victim. She runs back inside the apartment, dials 911 and picks up a knife. The camera swirls around her to reveal Candyman is now in the apartment, standing behind her. And so he asks if she believes in him and tells her that he has Anthony and that if she doesn't become his victim, Anthony will die in her place. And he reiterates that he needs to kill in order for people to fear him again. So Helen slides to the floor, which... Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It's just so... I feel like it's so unique that she shook his existence, basically. So now I'm going to take yours Mm -hmm. to pretty much bolster mine. It's it's so interesting. The motivation of a slasher is typically like, well, those teens are having sex. Let's (laughs) let's stop that. But his is much deeper. Yeah. He tells her that her death will become legend, and he sinks his hook into the back of her neck and tells her that he'll make her immortal as blood just pours down. Outside the apartment, Bernadette, holding flowers, rings the doorbell. Just coming to check on her friend. She doesn't deserve any any of this. Not at all. She calls for Helen, and Helen weakly responds, telling her to leave and that Candyman is in the apartment. Mm -hmm. She calls Bernadette's name again, stronger this time, which Bernadette hears and makes her way inside. Once inside, Candyman closes the door. Bernadette looks up at him, shaking in fear. And we see shots of that empty Cabrini Green apartment as we hear him slashing and grunting Mm -hmm. and mutilating her. Yeah. I don't know why, but the grunting always scared the shit out of me as a kid. Because most slashers are silent but deadly, you know? (laughs) But Candyman is like, no, it takes some oomph to fucking kill a person. It's no walk. (laughs) Yeah. It's no walk in the park, man. He means it. It's always scared me, but. Helen cries on the floor in fear, and she hears loud footsteps approaching. Instead of it being Candyman, Trevor rounds the corner with sheer terror on his face. I'd rather it be Candyman. Yeah, honestly. (laughs) Come back for more, eh? Oh my god, I hate Trevor. As you should. (laughs) (laughs) She tells him Candyman is in the apartment, but she looks fucking insane. There's no... Oh, yeah. I mean, she's... It's at this point that it zooms out a bit and you see that she's holding a bloody knife. The knife she grabbed earlier that we totally forgot about. Yep. The next thing we see, Helen's handcuffed and being sedated in the apartment. Police are collecting evidence and Helen calls for Trevor a bunch of times, but he doesn't answer. She gets up, very easily escaping the officer that was supposed to keep her in bed. Like, hey, no, stop. The officer went, ugh, one leap. And she's like, oh, well, I guess she got away then. 
Helen makes it into the living room and we see Detective Valinto is there, but on the floor is Bernadette's body. Oof, and it looks yeah. bad. It looks so bad. Her eyes are open. Yeah. She's blue. She's pale, yeah. Yeah. And she's split from groin to gullet like Candyman promised at the beginning. And there's pictures on top of her. Did yes. you see yes. that? Helen's the pictures, pictures are scattered yeah. in the blood and the police are collecting them. So Doesn't, uh, It doesn't look good, Helen. Yeah. No. So at this point, is it safe to kind of assume that maybe Helen's doing this, but she's like freaking out, thinking that it's like it's like in a psychotic episode it or something? I, at this I point, mean, it, I feel it, like it could go either way. Right. The way that it looks. Because every time you see her, she's got something in her hand, and she's like, I promise it wasn't me. It was me. Candyman. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think that that's definitely... I think if there's any theories about this movie, that's definitely probably a major one. Yeah. That maybe she got a little too deep in her work yeah. and then it just kept, you know. I I subscribe to it being Candyman's well, no, a real yeah. thing. No. But I think that's a good... The way the story's presented. Right. And there's yeah. a moment later on, too, where it's like, um... She breaks down after she sees Bernadette's body and asks Trevor to hold her, which he does. I mean, it's the least he kind can do. Of, yeah. yeah, I know. <laughs> It's one arm. He's yeah, like, like a side hug. Kind of, man, I yeah. guess. Oh, shit. That <laughs> <It> sucks. That <laughs> <laughs> no, was the worst. We get the famous transition of bees that we've seen a few times as Helen's being transported. We get random flashes of iconography we've seen while a voiceover of Candyman explains why Helen should join him. It's basically the power of being a rumor but not having to actually exist, which honestly in 2020 doesn't sound Sounds too bad. Sounds pretty great. <laughs> yeah. Maybe I'll go into a mirror later today. Yeah. But <laughs> we get. Don't threaten me with the good times. <laughs> Seriously. We get these flashes of Bernadette's corpse, and Anthony's cries are echoing as Helen prays to God for Candyman not to kill Anthony. Helen is then being wheeled through what I'm assuming is the psychiatric ward of the hospital. Trevor's by her side, but he stops at the doors as the yeah. they close. He pulls a Pascal. This is uh, where I gotta get off. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> I'll 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 visit. <laughs> she calls for him again, but it's too late because the doors are closed. She's rolled off of the gurney onto a bed where she's strapped in. I'm like, they couldn't give her clean clothes. They're she's like, we'll still figure in the, it out. She's still in her bloody clothes from the apartment. They were doing a wash. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. She begs them not to leave her alone after they strap her in because she can't defend herself. They're like, whatever, lady. <laughs> and then just leave. She tries to wriggle out of the straps, but Candyman appears to her, floating down on top of her from the ceiling. It's an awesome visual. Uh-huh. Fucking horrifying, but fantastic. He asks her for a kiss, and she screams that he's a murderer. He very conveniently <laughs> floats down underneath yeah. the bed yes. when it's the like staff it, It's almost in. comical. Yeah. It's like, Ooh, <laughs> never mind. Too fast. And she's like, he's under the bed. And they're like, whatever. <laughs> now, I, I read this on IMDb because it hit my ear weird and I looked it up. And the nurse says, give me a thousand mils of... That's yeah. a fucking liter of whatever medicine. <laughs> they're trying to kill her. Yeah, yeah, they're like, let's just kill her. We're done. She She's killed a dog, She's screaming an awful lot. It's super annoying. She wasn't even acting that bad for them to run in there no. like Not really. She was just saying, uh, murderer. Yeah. And they're like, we got to fucking knock her out. Jesus Christ. But they do sedate her after she says that he's in the room and they're just like, whatever. But we get... <laughs> A shot of that empty Cabrini Green apartment where we see Anthony sucking Candyman's finger as he dangles his hook hand over him. Yeah. I think this is where I'm a little confused because I'm like, he did just flat out just kidnap this child and he's keeping him. Yeah. Is that what's going on? Yes. Yeah. Like, that's just... 
I yeah. don't know. Yeah. You're a supernatural. Yeah. That's what it gets this back half of the film. That element becomes more confusing. And I'll elaborate on it a couple times, but Very. exactly what you just said. Okay. Aren't you supernatural? Yeah, but he's like, I actually got to take a kid. But yeah. you're literally <laughs> holding the baby. Yeah. Like, I'm, <laughs> is he feeding him? Yeah. 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 Because I got a lot of honey. Yeah. <laughs> That's all I Are you a year old? Because isn't that right, the fucking yeah. rule? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but in the next scene, time has obviously passed, and we see nurses taking Helen out of her room. She actually has clean clothes. Clean clothes. So there you go. She says she'd like to speak to her husband, and the male nurse goes, so would I. And then she is, because she's like, where are we going? And he's like, we're going to Disneyland. (laughs) It's like, you're a dick. Are you Philip Glass? (laughs) (laughs) It's a totally valid question. Like, that is not a quote unquote crazy question. Where are we going? It's the. Oh, she's nuts. (laughs) Did you hear what she said? But. They wheel Helen in to see Dr. Burke. She asks to speak to Trevor again, and he's like, oh, well, we can arrange a visit. And he tells her, apparently, she's been in the hospital for a month, which that surprises her. That would scare the her. shit yeah. out of me. They've been sedating her, so she doesn't remember shit. That's really scary. She asks for her attorney, and he says, well, I'm actually working for your defense, and we actually need to assess your ability to even stand trial. Yeah. And he tells her... Officially, she's been charged with first-degree murder. I'm guessing for Bernadette. Yeah. He then shows her a video of the night that she was admitted and asks if the killer appeared to her. For some reason, he has four screens to do this. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. weird. Too. I didn't get that at all. Only three turned on. He's like, yeah. this thing fucking... <laughs> Every it time. It never works. We only get three times what we need. <laughs> but in the video, we don't see Candyman at all. That's the moment that I would be like... Maybe I've lost my mind. And I think that it kind of sets in on her because she's like, that's impossible. Yeah. She says she's not capable of what happened to Bernadette and can prove it by calling on Candyman. Which just makes you look crazy. Yeah, no. (laughs) But he's like, sure. (laughs) Go for it. Knock yourself out. She looks into a mirror that conveniently is in the room. Yeah, right there. (laughs) She says Candyman five times and for a second, nothing happens. But then suddenly... Candyman appears from behind Dr. Burke, dragging his hook through his body with blood spraying everywhere. I want to give points to the movie for this because I feel like in most movies, nothing would happen. And then she'd get back to the room and he'd be like, you rang or <laughs> yeah, something. It's like, you're no, late. Yeah. Yeah. No, he's like, yes. yes. After he kills Dr. Burke, he tells Helen that tonight their congregation will witness a new miracle. And he kindly undoes those straps. I'd be like, please leave me strapped yeah. in. Yes, because that's the only defense I have. <laughs> please don't do this. <laughs> but after this, he fucking explodes out of the window to make his escape. Now, I love this movie so much, but you can clearly see the ropes pulling him out of the window yeah. whenever he... <laughs> Are you serious? Yeah, that's, that's they don't there. try to hide it at yeah, all. It's right there. I guess, I mean... With how much they show the ropes, he should have just glided on it with his hook. <laughs> like, just make that a part oh, of it. Oh, man. No, I got to go back and look. It's pretty bad. <laughs> but it, it happens so quick that, like, they won't notice. Yeah. Just, <laughs> just pull them, pull them. Yeah, quick. But an alarm rings as the nurses try to get inside the room. Helen makes her escape out the window, climbing on the ledge into a nearby room. The guards run by <laughs> underneath her and don't notice that a person is uh, fucking climbing on the yeah, ledge. Spider-Man, Spider-Man, exactly. Yeah. Like, who's that? Never mind. But we don't have time. No. <laughs> a nurse sees her through the window and she's like, "Well, what's this?" Opens it. I, yeah. 
<laughs> Does this shit happen every day? Because that nurse know. had like no yeah. reaction. Just, oh, all right, God damn, I'll uh, fucking I let guess, you in. Yeah. Well, I mean, she looks annoyed. When you think about it, of course you would let her in because it's a patient on the ledge. But she lets her in and just fucking gets knocked out immediately. Yeah, <laughs> she just falls to the floor, hits her head, and just turns over like <sighs> out. She needed a break, man. It's <laughs> this so is the worst break. She of wasn't all even time. hurt. She and just, it was, no, no. she's gonna go to sleep. And the, no blood. The no psych patient that's laying in the bed is just watching all of this. Yeah, yeah well, nobody's gonna believe him either. No. And then yeah, no, she knocked sure. out the nurse like, yeah, uh, sure, pal. We're going to Disneyland. And then Helen undoes the straps. No, just <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like I had someone do this to me, but. Helen steals the nurse's clothes like a fucking spy mm-hmm. and calmly leaves the building undetected. She hoofs it back to her apartment and makes her way inside. Once inside, she sees the walls are in the process of being painted pink by Stacy. Trevor's jealous student from the beginning. Oh, we right. were, we were we all yeah. 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 Helen tells her to get out. And this, this dude, goes through every stage of grief. Oh no! It yeah. Yeah. It's like seconds. denial, uh, acceptance. But her reaction to Helen no, made yeah. me laugh. Oh, it's out insane. Loud. Oh, hey, no. Oh, god. Uh, like it's it's every. It's so funny. If I'm being honest, her acting in this entire scene made me laugh. <laughs> Everything she did, I'm like, this is fucking hilarious. I don't think it means to be, but she awkwardly collapses against the wall and whimpers for Trevor. Trevor shows his entire ass yeah. by calling her sweetie pie. And he's like, what'd you make another boo-boo? No, oh, shit. he's talking yeah. to her like she's a child. It's he, so it's, gross. It's yeah, gross. That's, that's he's really like baby weird. talking. It's uh, fucking disgusting. All of this ceases when he sees that Helen's there and he's like, what are you doing here? <laughs> yeah. And she's like, I live here. Yeah. And Trevor instructs Stacy to call the hospital. But Helen's like, don't touch the phone. Yeah. She goes, what's the matter, Trevor? Scared of something? She says that she hates the color scheme, which honestly, it looks like yeah. shit. It's, it's ugly, but her pettiness is on point. To go help paint. <laughs> <laughs> but she puts an exclamation point on that by throwing a can of paint at the wall. Yeah. <laughs> uh, she puts it together, though, that Trevor thought she was never getting out, so he just started living his best life. I think Trevor had already been living I his best so life. I think so, too, especially yeah. the way that they now, were acting Now earlier. he's doing it with pink walls, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> Trevor calmly says that they should call the hospital. So she grabs the phone and tries to hand it to Stacy, who, in more of an awkward performance, just <laughs> sobs more. The only thing that's good is that her terrible performance is balanced out by how good Virginia Madsen is. Oh, she's fantastic. Right. But she puts down the phone and she sinks into the furniture and tells Trevor that he's all she had. And she puts her, <laughs> she puts her head down for a second and he uses this opportunity <laughs> to slowly advance towards the phone. She lifts her head up and she catches him and he's like, oh, shit. Are you fucking serious? Yeah, dude? like, dude, um, we can't talk for a second. She's literally his wife. <laughs> like, this isn't a girlfriend or, you he know. He sucks. He does. She realizes it and she says, it's over. And she leaves. And Trevor immediately grabs the phone. <laughs> so fucked up. Helen stands alone on a bridge, looking down at the water, realizing that she has lost everything. Yeah. We hear Candyman's voice telling her that everyone will abandon her and that the only thing she has left is his desire for her. And a tear rolls down her cheek as she realizes what she has to do. And this is, it's beyond a horror movie. Yeah. It's something much deeper. 
Well, I know John Paul likes to, he always just says it's a love story. It really is. It, it is. And this latter half of the film, we really get into that. But that night at Cabrini Green, Helen sneaks into the empty apartment behind Ruthie Jean's mirror. A bunch of candles are lit all around the room with the Candyman mural. Mm-hmm. She grabs an errant hook that she finds. Well, there's like a few. Yeah, yeah. She's, she had her choice. She's yeah. like, mm, that's my favorite, <laughs> and grabbed it. But she climbs up to the next floor through a hole in the ceiling. With a pin light, she finds two murals. The first depicts Candyman fleeing from his murderers. The second shows the removal of his hand with a rusty saw. She hears breathing and turns around to find Candyman sleeping on a concrete slab. You need to sleep? He's been take busy. <laughs> <laughs> He's you like, need... I was just at the hospital, dude. I was right. looking off a rope. Yeah. <laughs> right. You see how fast I flew out that motherfucker? Yeah. But she slowly approaches him. She holds the hook in an aggressive manner, kind of ready to attack him. He wakes up just as she strikes. Mm-hmm. She sinks the hook into his neck, but he rises up and pulls it out in blood spurts. He tells her that she came to him after all, and she tells him that they had a deal. He says if she surrenders to him now, Anthony won't be killed. The camera spins around the both of them, dizzying Helen. Candyman carries her over to another concrete slab, and she says that she's afraid. He tells her that the pain will be exquisite. Yeah. And that she won't have to worry about dying because people will be telling her story forever, which will keep her alive. He cradles her, looking down at her with a sincere sadness. It It's romantic. It is. It's, this whole scene I mean, is. It's, it the is. whole thing is. And I read that Tony Todd said that minutes were cut from this scene because I don't know who, I'm not going to name names, but they were uncomfortable with the interracial relationship between the two of them. <sighs> And That's so they made stupid. them cut it down. It's fucking infuriating. That's, That's really infuriating. You wonder what you're mi- you missed because some asshole was a racist. Yeah. <laughs> no, know? literally. That, like, That's what it it's is. It's fucking unbelievable. But she reaches inside of his coat only to pull out a hand covered in bees. Candyman opens his coat to reveal his rib cage, which is filled with bees. He then opens his mouth and it's filled with dozens of bees. They spill out onto Helen as he closes in for a kiss. You hear the crunching sound of their bees making contact, and he lowers Helen to the slab, and then we see him carrying Anthony off somewhere, declaring that it's time for a new miracle. Now, various sources have confirmed this, including Tony Todd himself. All of this was legitimately happening with the bees. Mm Mm-hmm. They bred these bees specifically for this film, and Tony Todd worked out a sweetheart deal. Yeah. Every time a bee stung him, he got paid an extra thousand dollars. Which is genius. Oh yeah. And oh yeah. According to him, he was stung twenty-three times. It's an extra twenty-three grand, We're earning it. That, oh yeah. I mean, no, but I I'd do that for twenty grand. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I read that um, the bees in his mouth, he had to stay still and it took them 30 minutes to take all of the bees out of his mouth. And he just had to, I guess, just sit there with his mouth open while they carefully took bee by bee out of his mouth. Like, are you done? Yeah. Also, Virginia Madsen. Even worse. Yeah. Is allergic to bees. Oh, shit. I I read Bernard Rose was like, no, you're not. He goes, he goes, no, you're just afraid of them. Yeah. He was like, don't worry. There's going to be paramedics on standby. Like, 
I'm like, Thank you, I think doctor. I know my own yeah. medical history, but okay. <laughs> Insane. But she did say that she felt like a complete badass doing oh, this absolutely. scene. Oh, absolutely. And the thing is, is that everything they went through for this scene, it's worth it. Oh, yeah. because it's, it's, an, ama- it's, it's an amazing scene. amazing. Yeah. But I guess some time passes and Helen wakes up shaking off a couple of the leftover bees and grabbing her hook. She walks over to the mural of Candyman being killed only to now see that it's surrounded by candles and the words, it was always you, Helen, written across it, which we then hear Candyman say as Helen notices a woman in the mural bears a striking resemblance to herself. What do you do with that? I don't know. What do you do with that realization? I assume I was that woman yes, that I you guess, got killed over. Yeah. So does this mean that she's the descendant of this woman or is she the reincarnation reincar- of this I, woman? I always Maybe. assumed the reincarnation. Yeah. I think that makes for a better story to tell. It's a lot. Which is important. Yeah. yeah that's all they want. Yes. <laughs> but Helen finds her way outside following the sound of Anthony's cries. She sees a giant pile of assorted wood from earlier that was going to be used for the bonfire and climbs her way up in search of Anthony. It's huge. Yeah. It's unbelievable. Like It's like a like a tower of wood and yeah. trash and it, it looks insane. I don't know how this was safe for her to actually climb I on. don't know. That better have been a stunt woman. <laughs> it looks crazy. She makes her way inside of the pile, but the noise wakes up Jake, who only sees her hook yeah. slowly mm-hmm. disappearing into the pile. And he's like, I got you. Exactly. Yeah. Like, mm. The Cabrini Green residents join Jake in throwing gasoline on the pile just as Helen finds Anthony inside of it. She cradles him only to be grabbed by Candyman as Jake sets the pile on fire. Candyman says they'll be turned to ash together and they'll never be separated. Through the flames, Helen sees Anne-Marie's vacant face. Anthony cries loudly as Helen grabs a flaming plank and stabs Candyman in the chest with it. It sets him on fire, and he's screaming his head. Yeah. yeah, this was, again, part of my confusion between yeah. do, you, do you have a physical being, or you're just a super... Like, because you couldn't see him in the hospital. No, no, and she just physically fucked him up. So it should it, have been like, your weapons cannot harm me. <laughs> <laughs> well, something. It was just weird. It's, it's, it's just weird. It is odd. And it never struck me until I watched it this time, but I'm, I'm like, like hmm. that doesn't really yeah, make that, a that, whole lot of Not sense. for what was being set up earlier. No. Nope. But he screams for Helen to come back as she crawls through the bonfire, saving Anthony and returning her to Anne-Marie. I think she owes an apology. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Things oh. were said. Yeah. <laughs> like Arms were clapped. <laughs> <laughs> but men rush to put out the fire that is engulfing her, which they do, but it's too late. Yeah. Jake sees Candyman's charred corpse in the rubble of the fire a as it rages. physical charred yep. corpse. Yes. Yeah. A small funeral is held for Helen in the next scene. It's really just Trevor Purcell... And Stacy. Yeah, this motherfucker. Stacy, you are not invited. The audacity. You gotta admire the balls on this no, guy. No, I don't. What, to bring his new squeeze? <laughs> but the mistress is here, too. His child's ride. No, yeah. you got me so it's fucked like, up. God damn, dude. What the hell? I would have crawled out of the grave. <laughs> like, you got me fucked nope. up. No. Now it's Night of the Living Dead. Yeah, yeah. This is not <laughs> happening. A large crowd of Cabrini Green residents, led by Anne-Marie and Jake, appear. Jake pulls Candyman's hook out of his jacket as they're right next to Helen's Mm. grave and he throws it inside. It hits her casket and we see her face inside Mm -hmm. the casket. And I'm honestly, it's pretty amazing that they came Mm -hmm. because the people 
that were actually in her life that are at the funeral, they're like saying, oh, don't judge her on what she did. Like, <laughs> yeah. they all yeah, still think even, she's a murderer. Even the preacher's yeah. like, look, she fucked up there yeah. at the end. <laughs> but she <laughs> meant well. <Yeah. laughs> it's like, it's like, geez, man. But that night, Trevor is sitting alone in the bathroom, remembering the good times that he did have with Helen. How dare you? I'm sorry. How fucking no, dare it's, you? It's a little too late for that, dog. No. Fucking spend the whole movie being an asshole. Yes. And then you're like, oh, man, she made dinner for me once. Because yeah. <laughs> that's all that he thinks about. That was awesome. Yeah. In contrast to Stacy, who is angrily making dinner now. Yeah. yeah. Because yeah. she's like, how dare he miss his dead wife? Yeah. <laughs> and also her tits are in the credits, I think. <laughs> Played by twins. Yes. <laughs> it's... Like, it feels a little cheap for this movie. Hey, I own a shirt like that, all right? What are you talking about? With I wear it when I... Hanging out? Yeah, when I make dinner, you just, yeah. I just put the shirt Skin on. Skin tight, see-through. Yeah. Makes me feel good Isn't about that what everybody myself. cooks in? I thought... <laughs> and I go to work in that shirt, what? Yeah. Like, don't come back. <laughs> um, Trevor stands up, and he cries against the mirror, saying Helen's name five times, and then turning off the light. Helen returns in the dark, badly burned from the fire, once again asking, what's the matter, Trevor? Scared of something? Before gutting him. Stacy comes to check on him again. What she asks is like, you want to make the salad? Yeah. <laughs> and she's cutting she that does. meat and she, I guess, cuts her thumb and then licks her thumb after she was dealing with the raw meat. And that meat know. didn't have no wrapper on it when she pulled <laughs> it, it out. Didn't. Yeah, it didn't. Yeah, it didn't have no you're wrapper. totally yeah. right. Just the meat store. Yeah, like, also, uh, there was just meat and beer and soda in that fridge. Yeah. So I don't, I don't it's know. It's a man's what man's pad. <laughs> I don't know. He's uh, like, Helen's yeah, gone. Uh. But Stacy opens up the bathroom door, finds Trevor's corpse, and screams very loudly. Why didn't Helen get her too? She didn't say the name. Yeah. So I, neither yeah. did the baby in the first story. It was a story. Well, <laughs> this really but, happened. But the, the friend, dog, the, the friend dog didn't, didn't say it five times. The dog didn't say it either. Someone needs to tell the story. She should have died. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, Trevor deserved it more, but no, she still yeah. deserved it. Just for her color scheme. Not for the cheating. Not no. for, I mean, just for that too. Of pink walls, uh, pink dead. <laughs> but. We see the final shot of the film, which is a new mural in Cabrini Green, one of Helen, surrounded by a ring of light with her hair ablaze. The music plays, and the credits roll. So, what did you guys think of Candyman? I love Candyman. I love the movie so much. Mm -hmm. uh, like I said, this time, I kind of realized that it's not a perfect movie, yeah. because I always thought it was. It's not, but... I, I love it with its flaws, with its visible ropes. With, I don't care. It's so it's so good. And uh, like you said, the social commentary yes. throughout the fact that I feel like both Candyman and Helen met their fate by going somewhere where, quote unquote, they didn't belong. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like there there's the parallels. So, there's so much there let alone the fact that she was his lover. Right. I mm -hmm. mean, I feel like it was never stated, but I, I think feel like that's the yeah. story. Yeah. I, I love it, honestly. It's a great movie. And I anybody who hasn't seen it, I'm like, you haven't seen Candyman? Yeah. Like, mm -hmm. You have to. Uh, I liked the movie. Mm -hmm. I, I was confused by some things and, you know, <laughs> but it's a good, solid movie. I I do like it. I, I won't say that it 
scared me any, but it this time, but, this this time. time. Yeah. well, this time, yeah. yeah. Let's when I was be a clear. Kid, <laughs> I was terrified. Yeah. I, you know, I'm not gonna lie. That movie scared the shit out of me mm-hmm. for a long time. Yeah, same. But then I, I hadn't watched it in some time, and then I watched it for the show, and I was like, this, it's romantic. It's, you know what I mean? Like, I mean, it is. It's, it, but it, it is a good movie, and I would, you know, like you said, if somebody hadn't seen it, I'd recommend them to go watch. You it. gotta. Mm-hmm. I love this movie. Yeah. It's honestly one of my favorite horror movies, period. Even more so after reading The Forbidden and seeing just how much they expanded upon what was there. The fact that they got this movie out of that story is yeah, incredible. Yeah, that story was really bare bones. It, it really was. Oh, yeah. Uh, um, Surprisingly so. And the fact that it is, there's still palpable moments of horror, but it is seeing it as an adult, seeing a lot more of the social commentary, mm-hmm. and as well seeing the romance of it. Yeah. For me, that elevates it. Definitely. Above your standard slasher, mm-hmm. which only makes me like it more. Mm-hmm. But I love this movie mm-hmm. a lot, which I guess brings us into ratings. I just said, I love this movie so much. It's one of the, for me, biggest horror staples that I would obviously recommend to everybody to go watch. This is an important film anchored by an incredible performance, pair of performances. Yes. Because Tony Todd is amazing, but Virginia Madsen really brings it yes, in this she does. film. The social commentary, the backstory, it's all incredible, and it gives you this true feeling of something that could have actually been a urban legend. Mm-hmm. Like, it's so well made. It's not this deep movie where you're going to have a bunch of theories about it, but it is a movie that you're going to take a lot away from it. Definitely. And I might be going a little high. <laughs> but for me, out of 10 ribcage honeybees, <laughs> I am happily giving Candyman 9.5 out of 10 ribcage honeybees. In my heart, this movie is a 10. But rewatching it this time, there are a few, not holes, but things that you're like, mm, I'm not sure if that makes complete sense, mm-hmm. but I forgive a lot of them and I still give it a very high score. Right. But saying all that, I will open the floor to you. Again, not to piggyback on everything you just said, but I would also, in my heart, this movie is a 10. Mm-hmm. I've always said it's one of my favorite horror movies. Like I said, if somebody hasn't seen it, I'm like, go home and watch it tonight. <laughs> like it's, it's an incredible movie. It's a really unique story. I mean, it's really in its own league in my mind. I can't think of another movie that makes me feel the way that Candyman makes me feel. No. But again, watching it as an adult now, there are some issues. There are some things that kind of go against the established story and that is a pet peeve of mine mm-hmm. but the love that i have for this movie i'm like well come on it's it's fine <laughs> all that being said on a scale from one to ten rib cage honeybees i'm gonna settle on nine out of ten rib cage honeybees for Candyman. john paul all right, here's where I'm going to blow your mind. Okay. Because <laughs> I'm going the other way with it. Hmm. I do like the movie. It's really good. And like I said, I have watched it a lot. But if I'm going to be honest, it didn't do for me what it did before now. Okay. Mm-hmm. I do like the score. You know, like you said, the acting was great. Everything, Tony Todd's fantastic. Everything is, you know. But I think my 
you know, I was talking to your sister the other day. The problem that I have with it is mm-hmm. that, like, when I think of horror, yeah, Candyman's there, but I, I don't, I feel like it's, it's just like it's one movie, and then it's like, okay, well, you know, you don't need, they didn't need to make a part two and a part three. No, oh, no, and but... and it, and I, that I guess in a way it does elevate the movie towards like it. That's all you need is that one movie, mm-hmm. but. I don't know, man. It's like when I think of like horror, I think of Freddy. I think of Jason. I think of Chucky. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I think of zombies. I don't immediately jump to Candyman. And I don't mean that in a bad way, like to say that it's beneath any of that, because I agree a hundred, a thousand percent. If somebody hasn't seen Candyman, go home and watch that shit. You Mm -hmm. know what I mean? But like if I have a Mount Rushmore of horror... Candyman's not on there for me. But that's not to say I don't like the movie. Mm -hmm. I love it. But it's just to me, you know what I mean? To that, watching it as an adult. And I love the romance aspect Mm -hmm. of it. Mm -hmm. But that doesn't make me afraid. You know what I mean? I get get that. It's kind of like, oh, this is a sweet ass, you know what I mean? Love story Mm -hmm. with horror in it. But it's not like... Welcome to primetime, bitch. You know <laughs> what I mean? <laughs> okay. It's but, not, but, but no, I, I, I think I would challenge you on that only to say the fact that it isn't your standard horror movie and the fact that you still enjoy it, doesn't that override it not being? I feel like you could look at it both both ways. Well, and, and look, I'll be I honest with you. I agree with you. you. No, uh-huh. yeah. If I didn't watch Candyman again, would I be sad about it? Probably not. But that's, I mean, I'm not going to lie to you. And that's not to say anything else. That's my opinion. Right. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's me. I do like the movie. And if it's on, I'll watch it. Mm-hmm. But it just, it, it wasn't. The only thing I'm going to quote about this movie is, I heard you're looking for Candyman, bitch. <laughs> that's it. You know what I mean? And and But that's me. No, I get that. You know what I mean? And it's it's like, who am I going to turn to if I want to see people get cut up? Freddy. No. Who am I going to... If somebody's head's going to get turned all the way around, there's Jason. You know, if there's the slow walker that's going to catch you no matter uh-huh. what, there's Michael Myers. <laughs> You know, I, I, and I and I do get that, and I respect that 100%. I think my only hang-up is when we look at really amazing horror films, like, I can't quote anything from Hereditary. I mean, you've got some quotes from The Exorcist, but I don't take from that, you know, the eh, quotability. Okay, yeah, I, I get that. But, I mean, it's just, like I said, to me, it's, I don't know. But even that, though, and that's the that's where I'm kind of broken is because, like, Exorcist... You only need that one. You don't need the sequels. You don't need anything else they did with it. And mm-hmm. I don't even think I've seen any of them. I know I've seen the first one, the original, and it was great. Three is great. You know what I mean? I See, I haven't seen <laughs> it, so I don't know. You'll I love can't, it. Yeah, I can't comment <laughs> on it. But the, the first one, you mm-hmm. know, you have that main one, and it's like, you really, all you need is that. Yeah. That's fantastic. So... Like I said, it's just to me, if if there was, I guess that's the only way I can really put it. If there was a Mount Rushmore of horror for me, mm-hmm. I I wouldn't put Candyman on it. And I think to me, that just tells me that it's not as important to me as other slashers or other horror movies. But I'm not going to sit here and try to lie and say I didn't enjoy the movie mm-hmm. or lie and be like, oh, Candyman sucks because it doesn't. No. Candyman's fantastic. But it's just, it didn't have the same effect to me now as an adult 
Like, but then again, I haven't watched, you know, Friday the 13th in a long time. Mm-hmm. I haven't watched Nightmare on Elm Street. I might watch it and be like, this what is fucking is stupid. This? <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah. But, but then it goes back to when, you know, I we watched Child's Play with the kids. I was like, this movie's old and I still love this shit. Mm-hmm. I was like, I'll watch fucking Chucky right after this. Do you know what I mean? I'll watch them all back to back, you know? And I just don't kind of feel that way. You know what I mean? But and that just that goes at the same thing. I like Hellraiser. Like I love Hellraiser. Another Clive Barker. Right. I love Hellraiser. But the later ones are yeah, you know what I mean? It's kinda like, yeah, mm-hmm. you guys are losing me with this. <laughs> but so for me, I'm gonna give Candyman seven rib cage bees out of ten. You know, I don't like I said I wasn't gonna go I knew it wasn't gonna be low, but I do love the movie. No, it's one of my favorites. It's one of those movies that changes my mood. Yeah. Like, okay. I'll be in a bad yeah. mood, I'll watch Candyman, and I'll be like, I'm in a good yeah. mood. Yeah. I love this movie. But all the more reason that I'm super excited about Nia DaCosta's Candyman that's yes. coming out. Because it's a continuation of this story, bypassing the sequels that I have not seen, that I heard are not that great, Yeah, but I haven't seen them, so I can't comment. Yeah. But I'm sure going from Candyman to Nia DaCosta's Candyman is going to be pretty fantastic. I am so excited. I am pumped. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember when you showed me the trailer. That looked really yeah. good. That looked real good. I can't wait. No, not at all. Well, that's all from us at Podmortem. What would you rate Candyman and what should we watch next? Let us know on Twitter at the Podmortem. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram and like us on Facebook. Be sure to follow each of us on Twitter at TravisMWH, at Blood and Smoke, and at RealStreeter84. Remember, believing in something will give it power, but not believing in it might inspire it to take the power back. Until next time. <laughs> <laughs>